The problem is this substrate, their stiffness, their size, their porosity, how well they behave, their suspension and buoyancy, all of these play a role on how cells behave and the agitation you use. You might be using stirring, bioreactors, or other types. Hey, smart biotech scientists. Welcome to part two of our conversation with Bayer Radfar, who is the co-founder and CEO of Smart MCs. It's a startup dedicated to creating microcarriers and smart biomaterials for large-scale cellular therapy, cellular agriculture, and vaccine production. If you haven't listened to part one, go back, because that's where we talk about why we should be considering to use adherent cell cultures and microcarriers in the 21st century and also the benefits of that and what are the particular challenges when scaling up such a cell culture. Now in part two, we're going to make it very practical and going to look at how you can get started. What are the easy steps you can follow to develop a adherent cell culture? So stay tuned. Are you juggling the complexities of CMC development while trying to enjoy the beauty of biotech? Have you ever wondered if there's a way to simplify bioprocessing? Welcome to the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast, where we're diving headfirst into the very challenges you face. We're breaking it down, demystifying the jargon and giving you the keys to unlock your full potential. I'm your host, David Broman, and I get it. With 15 plus years in the biotech industry, I face the same challenges you do. There's a way to simplify and streamline so you can remove complexity, you can skip trials and errors, deliver without delay your groundbreaking therapy to clinics at market, and still enjoy every single step. Do you want to learn how industry experts and I did it? Grab a cup of coffee and your favorite notebook and pen. Now is the time to take your bioprocessing game to the next level. Let's smarten up biotech. And we now make it very practical, Bayer, and break it down in a few simple steps. So for someone who wants to develop an adherent cell culture, how should they start and what should they do to succeed? By adherence of culture, I'm talking about like microcarrier particularly, when you want to actually, you have a vision of scaling up, let's put it that way. In fact, the way we work with our clients is similar as well. So we start very small scale, extremely small. We're talking about 3 ml, well plates. You test different types of carriers because they play a huge role on how it is. And that's part of the customizability that we offer. So we screen for different carrier properties and make sure that we understand what each cell is like. It can start with static culture in simple well plate. It can start agitating it by simply just shaking that well plates over time and see the effect of that agitation. Then slowly working your way up. So you want to go up from 3 ml to 10, 20 ml, 50 ml, 100 ml, 500, and, and you work your way up. That process is very critical. And I can promise you, majority of our clients, although we have this conversation with them every time, the very next experiment they come back is like a big culture already. Like they already jumped the steps and they're like, oh, look, we got good results. It's like, oh, results are good. It's not bad. Cells are growing in number, but you don't know really how well you're performing. You really, really need to take the steps, invest the time. And it doesn't take that long. It's more the patience. And obviously these people, but our scientists are very busy. So 
you know they're busy with other things so they just want to jump steps here and cost you in the long run so uh, that's the first very first step so what i'm hearing it it's important to be patient and to take every step and to do it completely instead of skipping the steps and jumping too far ahead and then having to go back and start a small scale i start very small you don't need to start with a little wire reactor at all and to what extent can people leverage, for instance, modeling, you know, as they can in suspension cultures? Does it play a similar role in these kind of cultures? Depends what level kind of modeling we're speaking about, but definitely AI can be a huge tool now where you can, it can help you save a lot of time based on your early preliminary experimental results on the scale-up process. So if, for example, you scale up with one cell line, you can use that and see and even you can categorize different cell types to see similar behavior across them. These type of modeling is possible, but I think it's a both-way thing. It can be very good. It can be very dangerous. So far, with the clients we have been having, mainly they've been doing going through the steps like kind of manually. And then using the experimental data, you can use it to do different statistical analysis or AI-based analysis, whatever you want to do. But it has been like a slow step up and more academic type collaboration has been more towards, I guess, more modeling of it based on different cell types. But definitely there is ways and things to do it, but we're still not there yet as a whole in the world, I think. So what are then the pitfalls people should watch out for when they develop a process? Well, I think pretty much is understanding that every cell type, every type of bioreactor, every type of microcarrier, they're all different. So the biggest pitfall, I guess, people tend to make mistake is, okay, we did the first type, and now it's going to be the same for experiment two, whereas it might not be. The problem is this substrate, their stiffness, their size, their porosity, how well they behave, their suspension and buoyancy, all of these play a role on how cells behave and the agitation you use. You might be using stirring bioreactors or other types. Key part is being cautious of all of that, I think. If you're changing one component, it might be a very critical component. And kind of what we said earlier, like taking those steps one by one, I think is critical. Now, speaking of pitfalls, the cellular therapy space and also the cultivated meat space is still a quite a immature space. Maybe let's say it like this. It's still quite early. It's not like the maps we've done for decades now. Well, there's definitely a lot of innovation going on. What main trends or what main breakthroughs do you foresee, Pyre, in the next couple of years or even next five, ten years from now? The key parts a lot will be around media formulation, especially in the field like culture meat, because that plays a huge role with how your cells behave even for attachment and then the growth for adherent cells, I'm talking particularly. The way that kind of the media formulation of different things is going to be a huge, huge emerging factor. And then lots of stuff like, I mean, there's been a trend of use of smaller bioreactors, but many of them in parallel simultaneously, and novel technologies like microfluidics to do different monitoring or different types of, I guess, cell culture process has been among the hot topics, in a sense. I think these, these will probably be the next level things that we would be expecting to come. Wow, still a lot to be innovated. A lot is coming. <laughs> For sure it is. That's definitely an exciting world. 
Do you also see, for instance, other areas where this could be applied? Because what I'm hearing, it's mostly cultivated meat and cellular therapies. Would there be some other cultures that could benefit from this technology? Yeah, anywhere, wherever you have cells, probably you have some sort of adherence or culture there as well. So I'm talking about vaccine production. That's like already a big thing. Probably vaccine production is the most typical example where microcarriers are used. You've got all those kind of things like when you're dealing with neuron cells that you need them in adherent form. Anywhere pretty much where you really need the nature of the cells, you cannot really touch them to grow them in suspension. That's one part. And then pretty much there are some cell types by nature that don't end up good in suspension. They don't get trained well in suspension or even with gene editing. So those cases, you always will need adherent cell technology. So I think it's something that is inevitable but people tend to from our experiences people have been running away from adherence cell culture because of the troubles with microcarrier and the scale up so much that they're just avoiding it but there are now even a lot of studies coming out showing that hey actually if you do adherence swarm of the same cell type they're getting better yield of production of let's say exosomes or different types of byproducts of cells if that's the case that is needed so I think it's like um, always a technology balance, like many other fields. People first go extreme to one end, but then it balances out. Like, for example, we had a lot of testimonials from our vaccine production companies that, first of all, some cells could not grow in suspension, number one. The performance dropped drastically. And the other thing was like media cost for some of those will go higher. It depends at the end of the day, you're producing your vaccine or your viral vectors and how much you're kind of spending on that. If media is costing you more, and that's 90% of your cost, but maybe spending a little bit more on microcarriers and the bioreactor setup will kind of um, balance itself out. And I think that's where we are kind of seeing the trend as well, that is kind of coming back, especially you're showing casing that our microcarriers are pretty promising in the sense that they can overcome the limitations that has been existing. Payar, give us the biggest takeaway you want us to walk away from our conversation today biggest one that's the hardest one <laughs> so the key thing for people I'm, I'm more thinking about people who are in the bioprocessing field and doing a lot of cell culture i think being um kind of flexible to new technologies the field i think is struggling a lot where there's a lot of innovation happening but there's not much adoption happening and not necessarily meaning that the technologies are not there yet it's more like okay can you convince let's say a cdmo to go out and change their entire filtration for example from a product a to b well it will save them money but do they want to go through the hassle and over time i think this will get better and better moving away from that traditional okay i'm doing this it works that's fine to more um, oh what is the new technology coming in what is the state of the art and having that R&D line more and more, more active, I think is critical. And, and you can see that in like countries like Australia, for example, where there's an R&D tax incentive or there's government grants with collaborations with universities. I think these will be more and more possible. So as long as this research can be done properly, I think we can see that translation happening. So Payar, where can people connect with you? Everywhere. <laughs> so easiest probably our website, email info at smartmcs.com.au is probably the easiest form of contact. We are active on LinkedIn, myself and rest of the team actually. So we are pretty responsive. 
Twitter, really, really anywhere people who are interested in our products. So we are not just a macro carrier company. We are more like a smart biomaterial company. And we have three lines of products, macro carriers, biomaterials like hydrogel for a variety of, of tissue modeling applications and microfluidic solutions for a range of things like cell um, dewatering, cell harvesting, and so on. That's the kind of the three main sectors of things that we do. And if there are people who are interested, whether it's at the research scale or already at the kind of industrial scale and large use case, we're more than happy to kind of sit down and have that chat. So just reach out to us via email, I guess probably would be the easiest. Smart biotech scientists, you find all the links in the show notes. So please do check it out. And thank you so much, Bayer, for all these insights. It's an exciting space. Thank you for being on the show today. No, no worries, David. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. All right, smart scientists. That's all for today on the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast. Thank you for tuning in and joining us on your journey to bioprocess mastery. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. By doing so, we can empower more scientists like you. For additional bioprocessing tips, visit us at smartbiotechscientist.com. Stay tuned for more inspiring biotech insights in our next episode. Until then, let's continue to smarten up biotech.